Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. G'day legends and welcome to the Thursday Sesh by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me as usual are Stephen and Willie. How you going Willie? I'm going alright. Um, that's me, final working day of 2023 today so that's me now until 2024 on a nice 30 degree heat today to just sort of bake myself in for the final few hours so it's been good. Lucky man, you're, from, you're on leave. How are you going Stevie? You are, you're on leave yet or what's the go for yourself? Yeah, much the same as Willie. That was, that was my last day today, so I just uh, wound it up for the year. Um, feeling a bit, or I was feeling a bit festive um, today. Um, the only thing that's putting a, a damper on the festivities is the fact that Santa's uh, no longer welcome in Celtic Park. So um, I don't know how I feel about that and how that's going to affect the presents on Christmas morning. Um, and I can only feel for... Uh, all the dads that had their kids with them at the game last week and they saw Santa getting roundly booed off the park. How do you explain that to like a six-year-old? Uh, you know who I feel the, the, the most upset for here in this whole situation? San- Mrs. Claus, you know, because if Santa's that way inclined, then uh, look out to his wife if he get- he's not unhappy. There we go. <laughs> now, um. Yeah, I've got half a day tomorrow, and then I'm on I'm on leave myself. So looking forward to the holiday break. I was going to give the show rundown at the end of the pod, but what we're going to do for the next week or so during the um during the holiday period is we're going to have tonight's podcast previewing. We're just going to talk about the upcoming games against Livingston and Dundee, among other things. Then we're going to have those games. We'll be back next Thursday. A combination of the three of us. Maybe someone from the pot noodle for Monday because that's on Christmas Day. So maybe it's one of them will be on or whoever, whoever wants to jump on on the podcast will come on, and we'll just talk about those two games and then preview the derby. So that's the plan for the next week. So there won't be anything out on the podcast app after this episode, probably until next Thursday. So I just want to be upfront and let you all know. Reason for that is I want to enjoy my Christmas break with my family. I want Stevie. I want Willie. I want everyone involved in the Southland Under podcast to enjoy their Christmas break. And the same for each and every one of you, our listeners, who we value and appreciate you all tuning in. So, everyone, I'll say it now in case I forget. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy it. Stay safe. Be merry. All that good stuff. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, Stevie. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I brought them Christmas shirt today. There we go. The Nakatomi Plaza 1988 Christmas Party T-shirt. So, you know, I want to know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? 
Yeah, I think it. I think it definitely is, doesn't it? I mean, only ever it's only ever on the TV at Christmas time, so um, I think it definitely qualifies as a Christmas movie. Maybe not up there with such uh, classic Christmas movies as Elf, but um, but definitely a Christmas movie nonetheless. What do you think, Willie? Ah, oh, it's definitely a Christmas movie, right? I mean, he's, ho ho ho! It's not a, it's not Christmas till I get a machine. It was a machine gun, he said. So yeah, it's definitely like a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's not it's not, it's not, not Christmas until you've seen Hans Gruber fall off Nakatomi Plaza. Like that pretty much sums it all up. So, yeah, it's one of those funny ones. We joke about it with the, like me and my friends and all that sort of thing, and it's like all the blokes say, yep, it's a Christmas movie. All the women say, it's not, and it's like, come on now. It is. It happens at Christmas. Enough said. But anyway, I just wanted to ask that on the pod. Let us know in the comments, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I want to get, I want to have some more, you know, ammo here. I can go to my wife. Look at the comments. They agree with me. I'm right. So come on, hook a brother up. Straight into the hot topics. I love it. Well, I'm trying to be a bit more positive, you know, because the the last couple of pods I've been on, like I wasn't on last Thursday, but the last Monday's one, shocking. This week's one, negative again after a couple of league losses. So I'm kind of trying to be a bit more positive here. So, I'll stay upbeat. I've had my event session on Monday. Willie, I want to get your like find out how you think Celtic are placed going into the festive season fixtures. Like with the way we've been playing in the league and everything that's been going on, players being booed, Santa being booed, Brendan getting booed, all this sort of stuff going on. I want to get your thoughts on how you think Celtic are placed at the moment in the league and going into the festive fixtures. And then I want to get your thoughts off the back of that too, Stevie. Well, for me, we're in a very, very difficult position. We're hot, so hot and cold, it's unbelievable. One minute we're going out and we're beating teams, we're getting good results like we did against Aberdeen, Firenord. And then we go out the week after that and think, this is it, we're going to kick on from here, it's going to be good. We're going to go on that long unbeaten run, which is what champions do, and we just shoot ourselves in the foot. All our injuries are starting to come back slowly but surely. We're starting to get the team back together, but there just seems to be a lack of serious lack of consistency about the, t- the team at the moment. And there's certain players out there who are have just gone either their forms has fallen off a cliff or they're hiding on the pitch. And it's it's uh, it's, it's 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 concerning me a little bit at the moment. Like hopefully we'll get them back to back wins before the the monkey mob head on over to our place. On the what is it, the thirty first? So, Jesus, that's New Year's Eve here, right now. That'll be a great one to bring in the new year. And Stevie, how are you feeling about it at the moment? Yeah, much like Willie, I'm not I'm pretty concerned. Um, things are not going in the right direction. Um, we, we seem to have a, a team lacking in any cohesion. We seem to have a bunch of players um, either not good enough or seriously off forum. Um, and we seem to have a manager who, you know, despite being rated as one of the best managers around, doesn't really seem to be talking or saying the things you want him to say um, when things are going in this direction. And he doesn't seem to have the answers. Now, moving into the, the festive period of games, I'm really not sure. We have, well, he's right. We have to win the next two games quite com- comprehensively. Um, but I'm just not sure what changes can be made to the current team to make that any more likely. Um, now, there are things you would like to see the manager doing, um, you know, like dropping David Turnbull and never speaking of him again. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, his options are fairly limited, um, especially in the wide areas. Um, there's not a lot there. I know Maida's back from injury now. Um, so you might see him featuring, but it it doesn't seem right within the club, um, and that's translating onto the onto the into the stands as well because the fans are really really despondent. I've not seen them this despondent for a few years, um, and there's almost open warfare now with the board, which was always going to happen uh, when Peter Law returned to the club as soon as things turned a little bit sour, um, and the war with the Green Brigade. Um, it's all just adding to the mix of, of what is a very, very, a very, very poisonous atmosphere at Celtic just now. And we really do need some sort of momentum changing performance um, to, to get us back on track again. You know, 
I can all be turned round. There's nothing lost yet. And uh, if we win our next three games, then things are back looking rosy again. And we've got a transfer window coming up. But I just don't know what's going to happen in the next game. You know, we've got a game against Livingston coming up in the weekend. I don't think I've ever looked forward to a game less than I'm looking forward to that game. You know, the fact that we are playing really badly and that they are the worst team in the world for shutting up shop and, and negative football. Um, so, unfortunately, I don't think there's much to be hopeful about. Um, the only the best thing I can say is, you know, the, the transfer window is just around the corner and there's some players coming back from injury. Yeah, I said on Monday that I think it's a lack of accountability across the whole club in terms of who's who's accountable for the recruitment, who's accountable for the overall spend, who's accountable for the you know the breakdown between the Green Brigade and the and you know the board, who's accountable on the pitch. Like the amount of times you see Greg Taylor, I picked I picked on him on Monday because it was fresh in my mind after their after their header where Shanklin scored that. But he runs into the back of scales who can't get around him to get to his man. And then, like I said with him a few times, you see like a goal goes in and straight away he's pointing at something instead of what like, I'd rather you put your hand and go, yeah, my bad, guys, sorry, and take ownership of it rather than pointing the finger. And you see more of the, more and more of that creeping in on the pitch as well. So I think above all else, it's a lack of accountability across the whole club that needs to be fixed. And then everything will get there. The accountability also rolls into Brendan and his tactics. A lot of people are saying with the current players we have and the lack of wingers, why not go to a 3-5-2? Play the two strikers together. Try and get Kyogo more into the game that way. We've got a plethora of centre-backs. Maybe Bernabe would work better as a left wing-back. Maybe Johnson would work better as a right wing-back. Things like that. You can just try these. So there's got to be a way to improve and got to get, get things going again. So... What I'll do is I'll bring up a few of the comments and then we'll, um, we'll we'll keep rolling off the back of that. So we had um, Mahesha saying we have to score Rangers at Celtic Park, 100%. But for me, even if we win every other game, if we don't get the job done at Celtic Park, the other games have been, been a bit of a waste in my opinion. Gaddafi is Sam Texas saying <laughs> I waited until really after five minutes on that, so I won't get demonetized for saying that name. We'll get um we'll get fans back to support the team. Mahesh is also saying, watch Rangers versus St. Johnson. Celtic should be too good. Irony is Celtic struggle with low blocks, but Rangers setup will will suit Celtic. Yeah, we'll can't wait. We'll discuss that in more depth next week, Mahesh. So yeah, get all your stats together, get them ready for next Thursday to jump in the comments and let us all know. Andrew Galea is we can change the way we play with the personnel we've got. I think that ties into what I just said about going to a three-five-two. What do you think on that, Willie and Steve? I'm not sure. Well, about changing. Sorry, on you, go, on you go, Stevie. Sorry, my, well, see, my opinion is maybe slightly different for some people. I, I've, I've heard it said a lot that we should be we should be beating teams like Hearts with the players we have available. But my concern is that there are two things that concern me. One is, I think there's a number of players in our team who would struggle to get a game for Hearts, and that's the honest truth. I think you're looking at Greg Taylor, you're looking at Liam Scales, you're looking at Mikey Johnson, um, and, you're, and you're looking at, I don't know, did I say Greg Taylor? Yeah, and David Turnbull's the other one. These guys wouldn't be automatic first picks for Hearts or any other team in ASPL. And for me, that's a, that's a nonsense situation. Every player... And Celtic's first team should be an automatic first pick for every other team in the SBL outside the Rangers. And that's, I don't think that's just the case at the moment. And the, the other thing that's concerning me is, I think this, this, the slide of this team's forum, I think it predates Brendan. And I think you can trace it all the way back almost to the, the, the winter transfer window last year on the ranch, where we had a, another disastrous transfer window with only Alistair Johnson making any mark in the first team squad. And I think the sort of the, the, the team has been on the slide ever since. The summer transfer window was an opportunity to sort of arrest that slide, but it didn't happen. Um, the, the recruitment was just a disaster. I mean, if you cast your mind back to the cup final, you know, the cup final, even we won and there was a lot of emotion around about Ange, so it gets kind of forgotten about. But that was a dreadful performance. We were awful in the cup final. And we ended up kind of hanging on a bit at the end until we got the third goal 
in injury time against a first division team. So it's it's not a new thing, and I think that's why I think it's going to, going to be so difficult to arrest the slide. We've just got far too many ordinary players in the team, and that's not even talking about the bench. We're talking about guys that are running out in the first eleven. Um, so I think, well, you know, Rogers has definitely got questions to answer. You know, the Turnbull question: Why does he keep turning to David Turnbull when when he keeps getting substituted at half time? Why is Mikey Johnson still in there? Why is Rocco Vata not being given a run? Why is Tilio not being given a run? These are questions I think are all legitimate questions for Rogers to answer. But I think there is a real gap in quality in, in the squad, and I think that's what's killing us at the moment. Willie, anything to add to that? No, I, I was just going to say, I, I don't think the change to 3-5-2 would make much of a difference, to be honest, because for pretty much the same reason that Steve just outlined, there's too many ordinary players to be going switching formations around. If I was Brendan, the only formation I would be looking to change it to is go from a 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1, which is what Brendan Rodgers has tried in trusted formation. He'd probably be more comfortable with that, but I don't think 3-5-2 is going to make much of a difference because you're still going to have the same three in the centre and midfield that aren't really creating the kind of right sort of output for the front front players to get onto. But and then you still have the lack of sort of any sort of quality on the width. Okay, you could put Dyson Made at a left wing back if you wanted, like, but you're still gonna have a lack of quality out there if one of them tires and they have to come off. So I, I just don't think the three five two would be the right formation to go to. All right, Willie. Then I'm gonna channel Mike Bassett from the from that movie. Four four fucking two. Uh, get your four four get your two banks of four straight and get the ball out, get your two banks of four set and get ready to go again. Get it in the mix so up. Yeah, we'll go all the we'll go all the old, you know, Lennon type tactics. There we go. Kaiser, morning. Kathleen, morning. Lovett was saying that seen this months ago, this was coming, our form's been poor since the start of the season, as you said there, Stevie. Um, Andrew Galea is saying blaming the board is too easy for the manager. Uh, what else have we got here? Mahesh is saying Livy has the worst form in the league. However, against Aberdeen, they won three headers in the box to get their goal. Yep. Kaz has got a fair point. Call Taylor an arsehole once. Everyone agrees. Call him again. Stop picking on Taylor. Yeah, we've seen that a bit. It's a funny one there. Um, yeah, I'll just look at it and go, all things being equal, I don't really see the point of we need to get people out, and we'll talk about that a bit later on in the episode anyway before we can get people in. Realistically, the squad's already too bloated. So the transfer window is going to be strange. We'll be talking about that a bit more there. But, yeah, I just think we're um, we're struggling a little bit. But, you know, get some players back, get some people out, see what happens. Anything else you want to talk about about in terms of how you think we're placed going into those fixtures, or do you just want to talk about the Livy game? Yeah, I think we've I think we've sort of summed it up um, quite well. At the mo- you know where we're standing at the moment. After yep. agree. so we're playing Will- uh, Livy on the weekend. So, Willie, do you want to pick your starting lineup for that? The usual things I ask you is. is where will the game be won and give us your score prediction? Okay, my starting lineup would be Hart and Goals, Johnson, right back, CCV, Scales, Mitchell Frame at left back. In the middle, if Awata's fit, he would be sitting with Kyle Mark and O'Reilly in front of him. And Dyson Mieda on one wing, Palmer on the other, and Kyogo through the middle. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
where will the game be won? The, the game, that game will have to be won from middle to front. They're going to dig in, so it's going to be up to us to try and break them down. So it'll be from the middle to front. I don't think our defenders will be even much. So the the wing backs, uh, the full backs will be pushing on a bit. So. Yeah, and your score prediction? 3 0. For me, I, I wasn't expecting Mitchell Frame there, but it makes perfect sense in a game like this. Like Livy's last in the league, Greg Taylor's out of form, Bernabe. Who knows what we'll get there. So I wouldn't mind seeing Frame get a bit more game time. Midfield, yeah, I agree with pretty much the rest of the lineup that you've said. Where the game will be won, yeah, as, as you said, it'll be in the middle to third. And the game we had against Hearts on the weekend, we had, I think it was like over 50% of our passing stats were in the, the final third. So we've got to make something happen. Now, whether that's we take some longer shots, whether that's we actually could get a cross into someone, or whether we use a bit more speed to don't, not allow Libby to get back and set up, those are the sort of things for me. So that's where the game's going to be won on who's going to, you know, get their style on the game in that area of the pitch. Um, yeah, I'm thinking we'll just win 2 0. What do you think, Stevie? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, as we've already talked about, I think Greg Taylor has to come out of the team. Uh, it's as simple as that. Now, not that, I, not that I have any confidence that he will, but for me, I would be pushing Liam Scales out to left-back um, and I would bring another centre-half in. I would love to see Navrotsky, um to at least get a look at this guy that we paid for over £4 million for. Um, and then that would give us, not only um, take Taylor out of the team, it would give us extra physicality uh, defending set-pieces because at the moment... We're all over the place. Uh, you mentioned earlier that Taylor was at fault for their goal, uh, for the Hearts' first goal. He was also at fault for the the Motherwell equaliser a couple of weeks ago when he was picking up a man at a corner. Um, so he can't, he just can't market corners, and he has to be taken out from that role. Now, what, what, why the the management team are asking me to do that against guys that are always taller than him? I just don't know. Uh, and if you put scales in at left back, I can't really see that he would be any worse than Greg Taylor going forward or he would misplace any more passes in Greg Taylor and he would give you that extra level of physicality. Uh, and Dyson Maeda probably playing in front of him as well would certainly help him. Um, I think the game will be won and lost in set pieces. Unfortunately, I think we'll score. Um, but it remains to be seen whether we can defend set pieces or not. They've got some aerial threats, as Mahesh pointed out earlier in the comments. So if we don't get it right, then we'll be under pressure from every corner and all they'll do is shell high balls into our box all night, all day long. Um, and we're going to have to come up with a way to defend these. And to me, that's the solution. It's having skills in there. Now, the rest of the team, I agree with Willie. I think I, I want to see a water back. He wasn't particularly good the last time out, uh, but I'm prepared to give him another go because that's the only midfield formation that's kind of looked semi-competent so far this season. Um, and yes, I agree as well. Maida and Palma in the wide areas, and I'd go with Kyogo again. I just don't think O is up to the task of leading the line at the moment. He's got a long way to go. Uh, made one day develop into a top-class striker, but he's just not there at the moment. So, so that would be my lineup. Now, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a slog again. Uh, and I think, you know, we'll probably win 2-1 in a sort of mirror of the, the game that we played this time last year against uh, Livingston at Parkhead, where we, we went up a two-goal lead and then gave away a really sloppy goal right before half-time. And the second half was a bit of a, a dire affair. So I think we'll win 2-1, uh, but it'll be, it, it won't be one for the purists, put it that way. Speaking of Taylor conceding those goals, then he's got to stop marking people. He's got a post. It's that simple. He's either be on the poster, he's got to be, you know, the dash by where the corner comes in from, and you can put a defender out there to defend that. It's got to be either that person or it's got to be someone defending on a post if you're going to put someone there. You can't have him marking an actual centre back, not a centre back when they come up or a big striker. The guy's what, five foot, five foot three, five foot four. You know, I know he's probably a little bit taller, but he's just, that's how small he seems. Like he's tall, but he plays smaller when he's defending set pieces. So yeah, definitely I'll be agreeing on that. Getting him you, out of there. You can you can also um, you can also you also need a guy to defend the edge of the box, 
um, when if the ball breaks out from the corner to stop anyone getting an early shot. And all your job is there is to close down the guy before he shoots. And Taylor could do that. And, you know, you don't need to be tall or big or strong to do that. So that's another job he could do. And I just don't understand why they've got a man marking, especially guys that are, that are, that are much bigger than him. It's not even just the corners. You look at the Kilmarnock game. The second goal Kilmarnock scored, he, he he wasn't even anywhere in sight. The ball came down to his position. Armstrong ran down into his position and, and he was at the pitch on the right-hand side, I think it was. Just no one be seen. And, uh, he was out in the right wing and you see the guys peeling away to score and you just see Greg Taylor sauntering back into position and you, that just really boils my blood. That like, you know, I mean, it's just like, what are you doing? You are a left back. Why you're in advanced positions like that the whole time? You're making a point and inverting yourself. It just it doesn't work on this formation. Right, we're not playing that way. We're playing a very structured sort of style of four three three. You need to be in that position or to be near enough to get back and defend where it is. You can't be sitting there in the wide right area thinking I'll just attack up here because there's a bit of space for me to get into. Like it's just it, it, it it's just sort of lost all sort of form of. Anything at the moment, and it's just it's just not good enough for Celtic, right? You know what I mean? We used to. I heard on a, I heard on another podcast that um, in the second half against Kovarnock, he attempted twelve passes and gave away possession ten times. I mean, for a professional footballer to give the ball away ten times out of twelve, that's just unacceptable. Um, and and it, 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 that that's going to, that should be leading to you losing your place in the team. Absolutely, without a doubt. I was going to say, when um, Tierney first moved on and it was Taylor and Bolongoli brought in to battle for that position, we all used to give Bolongoli a hard time end up, you know, up in, a, up in a wing position or he'd end up over on the right wing all the time. So, yeah, it was – we're starting to see that. I'll let you boys – get into talking about Dundee, what you think the lineup will be. I'm just going to duck out for a second and just reboot this. Come on, let's play up. I'll be back in a moment. All right, Wally, do you want to go first with your Dundee preview? Um, I'd be much unchanged to what I've just named for the Livingston team. It depends on Mitchell frame. Like you said maybe push scales out of left back. I mean, there could be something in that, you know what I mean? But if Say Mitchell Frame starts against Livy and plays well, I would be tempted to keep him going in there because, like I guess, say left back is a major issue for me at present. Like, but other than that, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be looking to change the team too much. I would like to try and keep as much continuity as I could over the next two games, leading into the Hogman A game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's one of the things we've been lacking is consistency of selection, yeah. and it would just be good to see the same team and the same bench named for two games in a row. This sort of lucky dip um, who gets a place in the bench needs to stop. You know, we need to be showing um, guys that, when you know, the guy earns his place in the bench. And if you get on and play well, then you stay on the bench and get another correct the following week. I'm sick of players coming on, making a contribution and then disappearing out of the squad the next week. It's happened to Tilio recently and it's happened to Navrotsky recently as well. And I just can't see why. Like last week, naming Quan on the bench, never got off the bench. And I'm quite sure, 100% sure, he'll be gone this week out of the match day squad without even having kicked the ball. And I'm struggling to see the, the point of that, to be honest. What are you doing? What, what is that doing for him? What is that doing for the team? You know, and what is that doing for our ability to manage a squad or manage a game for that matter? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, love it saying in the comments, why is Bernardo good enough to play in Europe yet not good enough for the league? It ties into that as well. Like the chopping and changing, like as you're saying, like guys come in, Lagerbelka comes in, plays, gets dropped. Tilio, same deal. Naroski, same deal. It's just. It can't be good for confidence or morale either. Like, you know, I mean, you're sitting there thinking, right, I've done really well in training. I'm pushing for a place, right? I'm on the bench this week. I'm out the squad, and then you you go and watch. Right? I'm sorry to heart back to Greg Taylor. You go and watch Greg Taylor throwing performances like that week in week out, and see him getting picked one of the first names on the team sheet. That can't do you your morale or your confidence any good when you're trying your hardest in training. Like. 
Yeah, if you're getting um absolutely hammered, like this stat from Hayshio, Kelly 28 touches in the box, 26 on Taylor and Scales flank. Everyone's targeting Taylor. As you're saying, if he's going misplacing all the passes, getting targeted, and you're the guy on the bench who can't even, if you're playing that poorly, can't even get a game over the top of that or get a shot, it makes you think, like, what's the point? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a point. I mean, you know, you, you can see last season in the winter transfer window when we signed Berdaby, you know, Ange had already identified that Taylor wasn't good enough because Bernabe was signed to be the first choice left back. I mean, that's clear. You know, you don't pay almost £4 million for a guy to be a backup left back when you're in Celtic's financial position. That was the man. Now, it hasn't worked out for Bernabe, and that's fine. But, you know, we're now a year down the line and we're still, you know, flogging the same dead horse with Taylor at left back. You know, and it's farcical. And there are other options there, as well as said, Mitchell Frame or Liam Scales, you know, or even, uh, you know, Anthony Ralston at left back. We have to try something different because if we keep playing Taylor, they'll continue to target him and they'll target him and target him and target him again. And Rangers will do exactly that on the 30th. And they're a big, physical, robust team. They'll get all sorts of joy against Taylor. So... (laughs) We've got two games left before we play them. We need to be trying to sort something out before we go into that game. So, you know, Saturday's probably the best time to start. Yeah. The boy Seema will just rip Taylor to shreds. Like, that boy Seema's on form right now, and he'll just rip Taylor to shreds. Like, so it's it's concerning to think that that could be the pairing that came up against on Hogmanay. Yeah, brings coming up from Cathal Rocks, which is has to be frame at left back. I know Shamrock Rovers fans who didn't want scales at left back has to be frame. 100%. Give the kid a chance. What's the worst that can happen? Can't be worse than what we're getting at the moment. Well, I'm not saying uh, Liam Scales is going to be the long-term answer at left back. I certainly don't think that. But, um, you know, for the next few games, he has an option. I think it's Mm -hmm. worth trying. You know, I think Mitchell Frame looks a good player and it looks as if he's a fairly big big lad so I think physically it'll do alright but you know Scales is a bit bigger again uh, and will provide a more physical um, attribute in defence Sorry in one of the comments as well maybe we need to have a look at um, possibly recalling Monty from his loan if we get if we're getting to that point it's our player he counts for their European homegrown quota as well so he was a left back and he's and he's doing well out on loan and he did well at St Johnson last year. Give him a chance. Oh, bad joke from Michael Ross here. Love no, it. no, Michael, Michael, the frame's outside the picture. Frame <laughs> <laughs> the picture. And how how my upside down chums. Yep, hundred percent. So, what's the score prediction you reckon for Dundee? realistically, without knowing what's going to happen on the weekend, any injuries, whatever, someone goes out and scores seven goals on the weekend in a 10-goal winner that I've been talking about on the pod for years being silly. What's it going to be, Willie? What are you thinking? Dundee are a dark horse, and Dundee are a team who are playing really well for a budget that they have. And the the, the man, um, Tommy, what's his name? Tommy... Tommy Doherty has got them playing really good football so they're a dark horse this season so I I think we'll win and I think we'll win 2-1 but I don't think we're going to get it all our own way in this game I was going to say 3-2 for me what do you think Stevie? Yeah I think it'll be another slog Um, I'm I'm not going to predict anything other than a Celtic win but um, I I think like Willie it'll be a 1-0 or a 2-1 probably more likely be 2-1 because I can't see his can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I said 3-2 for the simple fact that it's our last game before the derby. There's going to be some sort of VAR shenanigans with one of our players getting a dodgy red card and so they won't be available for the derby and that's where they're going to score on some sort of penalty off the back of that. So that's why I'm saying 3-2 because I'm already thinking the fix is in. But anyway... I can't wait for this to be clipped and shared around on all the uh, Rangers socials. It's going to be great. Jam it. 
you zombies. <laughs> anyway, let's um change change pace a little bit now. What I'd like for I put a post up on Twitter X, whatever it's called nowadays, earlier today, asking for everyone's just random Celtic takes for this season. So it can be anything. It could be um, Mitchell Frame has the best haircut in the Celtic squad because I know people were carrying on about his hair when he debuted a few weeks back. Just stuff like that. Put any take. So if you're tuning in watching live, jump into the comment section and just give us your random take on the Celtic season so far. I'm going to bring some of them up later on in the in the episode to have a bit of a chat about them. But I wanted to um, discuss, there's rumours that were floating around and completely kiboshed in my opinion, but that both the Lawwells are on their way out of Celtic. Now, I think that's some, was on a bunch of Facebook groups and all that stuff. No one's name put to it or anything like that. For me, I'm watching this space. I don't think it's true. The reason I'm talking about it is because the way it would work is just because for anyone who sees it in those Facebook groups, if Peter Lawwell was to leave because we're a publicly listed company, it would have to be an announcement to the London Stock Exchange. Have we seen that announcement? No. So those rumours bouncing around various Facebook groups, and I've seen it in about six groups myself, not going to happen, okay? Just wanted to discuss that and say that on the pod just because I've seen it on that many groups. Have you guys seen or heard any of that at all, boys? First, I haven't heard that one, Jared, at all, but I must admit um, you've made my Christmas by mentioning it. Uh, I'm now as excited as a five-year-old on Christmas Eve. Uh, because that would truly be a Christmas miracle for me uh, and probably truth, absolute proof that there is a God. Um, if that if that came to pass, that's how strongly I feel about this. Um, I think both the laws um, are, are a cancer on the club. Um, and I think we need to do as a support, we need to do everything we can to get them out of the building uh, to the point where the club will never progress, never progress one inch forward with Peter Lowell at the helm. Um, And whether or not he's a chairman, you know, he's a non-exec role, but he's still got his influence all through the club in the form of his lawyer as a CEO. He's got his son in charge of recruitment and he's got placemen all through the club. So he's very, the club's very much been running his image. And this is a, this is a thing that we've kind of sleptwalked into a situation now where two families I've now got almost complete control over Celtic. Now, that was the case in the 90s that led to the, the sales for change movement. Um, and it's the case again now. Now, I'm not saying for a second we're in anything like the same position we were like in the 90s. The financial landscape is completely different. But in terms of accountability for the board, it's exactly the same position. We've got a board of directors and two influencing families who control every other director and all, the vast majority of the shares, but with no idea or no desire to make the club better than what it is just now. So until we address that, and, you know, I don't know, I agree with someone said in the comments there, it will never happen. I doubt it will happen because there's just no mechanism for it happening. How do we do that? How do we make that happen? You know, and you're sort of relying on Peter Lowell falling on his own sword, really. And, you know, he's never shown his ego would prevent him from ever doing that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 100%. Love it. Followed up that comment. Would, would love it to happen. But the money men love them. Michael Ross says, we have no say in our club. RL77, I noticed a house with a heated driveway for sale. I'll just finish off my point and then I'll get your thoughts on it, Willie. So I mentioned about the whole London Stock Exchange thing, but what I said in another group chat when we were talking about it with some friends as well there was that 
it'd be addition by subtraction, I think, if Peter Lawwell in particular was to leave because people at the club would be able to go and do the jobs they're employed to do without having that influence and micromanagement over their shoulder. So that's right. For for Mark Lawwell and his recruitment, his track record's been rubbish, so couldn't really get any worse. So I'm not even slightly phased by that. Willie, the floor's yours. Well, no, it's just we've gone backwards since Peter Lawwell came back. I mean, when Peter Lawwell was away, Andrew's first season, we, we came in towards this time of the year. We knew that um, Dyson Mieda was coming. We knew that um, Idiguchi was coming. And sure enough, on the 1st of January, they were in the door. And that was it. Contract signed and they were our players. There's not even a sniff of any sort of player coming in at this moment in time. There's not even sort of any sort of concrete transfer rumours out there that you can turn around and say, yep, definitely they're, they're on their way. Um, you can see from the summer signing, it's just all cost-cutting. It's just like, pro- I don't know the term, project signing. It's just, it's not a project signing. That's what Peter Law and Mark Law expect us to do with the first-team players. Like You know what I mean? It's just not good enough. Like, and. Um, how do you get them out? Is it's the million dollar question. The only way you can get them out is to start voting with your feet. You know what I mean? Start boycotting going to games, but that's not what we do as a fan base. You know what I mean? It's 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 not even just to control the boardroom. They're controlling the fans as well. They banned the big game brigade because they flew Palestinian fans, Palestinian flags. You can masquerade it in any other way, shape, or form, but. It's because there was a political situation there that the Celtic didn't want anything to do with, and they just banned them straight away. Right, we'll get them out of the stadium. And it's the same. I feel sorry for that guy. It was in the stand there on Saturday. He turned around and he started pointing and shouting and bawling at them. Like, you know, what I mean, he'll be banned for life too. But I would imagine that like, you know, it's just there's um, fan groups that are going to the fan media sections and they're getting told you're not allowed in because they ask too many questions. You know, what I mean, you can't have any negative press around these people. So. They're like just controlling North, the club. You it's know a mini I mean? North Korea in the boardroom, Willie. Yeah. But it is to an extent. You know what I mean? If you question Peter Law in any way, shape or form, then he's going to be the winner because he has so much power over everyone. Like You know, the same happened with Rogers last time. He tried to say, look, I want a bit more fucking quality in my team. I want more signings. And it ended up, no, you're not getting it. Like, and they ended up with duds. People like um, the boy Burke. And the American fellow that came in who wanted to go and play for the American under 21s rather than take part in the Scottish Cup final. It's just the it was his name, Timo Weir. It's just yeah. it's just the way it's going, and it's just history repeating itself. You know what I mean? He disappeared for a couple of years and things seemed to we did seem to look like we we're gonna progress a little bit. But all of a sudden he comes back in and we regress right back to where we were when he left the first time around. It's I the sooner they get rid of them, the better. Like, but I can't see and- it happening. Soon. And PLO sneaked out the back door on the back of the COVID season, um, where he was, you know, it seemed as if he had finally admitted accountability for the disastrous rehiring of Neil Lennon without, by his own admission, carrying out a proper recruitment process. Now, the fact that he's, he's used that not, not only to get back into the club, but to consolidate his power base in the form of he's the chairman now, his son's a recruitment manager. And his, his, his place man's the CEO. So he's never had more power than he has just now at Celtic Park. And, you know, the, the fact that we allowed, we allowed his fans, we allowed that to happen. We were carried away with the Ange, the emotion under Ange and the great football and all the trophies. And undercover the night, he sneaked back in and just took over the whole place again. And I'm 100% convinced that Peter Lowell thinks that he is Celtic. Uh, Celtic belongs to him. And I, I think that's just his attitude and he will never relinquish that. Um, unless he's forced out the door. Unfortunately, off the back of that, though, something I mentioned on Monday and everything as well is that the the problem we have is it's not just the board directors because it's a public listed company. These guys own shares. So it's not just Lawwell. It's the other guys on the board who have been there for years. Most companies, if you're on the board, the maximum stint is three or four years. And then they move someone out, bring someone else in. This is in general business, whether it's the financial sector, whether it's in the freight industry, whatever. That's how it normally works. And you're constantly turning it over. New ideas, new ideas, grow, 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 that sort of thing. We've had these guys on the board for almost 20 years because they own shares. And I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to name names who it was, but I know one of the bloggers, right? Good friend of mine. 
he made a, a wrote an article about Dermot Desmond and his shares and blah all this sort of stuff, right? And he got a cease and desist from Dermot Desmond's lawyer for saying same sort of stuff that we're saying on this podcast at the moment. So it's not just Peter Lawler who walks around acting like you know Johnny Big Balls. I own the place. I'm big man on campus. Whatever. No, Dermot does the same thing. Everyone on the I know other people on the board as well who have been warned by other board members as well for stuff they put up on Twitter. So at the end of the day, our board are egomaniacs. And you say, oh, they walk like they they think they own the club. Well, technically they own the majority of the shares. That's why they're on the board. So it's going to be hard for us to get these pricks out of the joint unless someone was to, you know, be a multi-billionaire and decide I want to buy the club and then give it back to the fans. So unfortunately, it's a bit of a tough one. When everybody talks about how well run the club is, and I think the board even gave themselves a big rap at the AGM recently, talking about it as, as one of the best-run clubs in Europe. But you tell me how it's how a, a well-run club allows a guy who's not even a majority shareholder, he's just the largest individual shareholder. He holds no executive role at the club. All he is is a non-executive director, Dermot Desmond, and yet he seems to call all the shots. Now, that is just such poor corporate governance. He should have nothing to do with the major operational decisions. His role is to provide independent advice to the executive branch of the board. He's a non-exec director, and that's it. And yet every time there's an important decision being made at Celtic, it's all, what's Dermot Desmond going to say? What's Dermot Desmond going to do? When you see Ange... The, the famous picture when he was reportedly telling him he was going to Tottenham, it's Dermot Desmond he's telling. Do you know what I mean? It's Dermot Desmond and Peter Lowell. But Dermot, I mean, all, all he is is the largest individual shareholder. He's got far too much power at the club and he's also consolidating that himself by getting his son on the board as well, despite having no track record of running or growing a football club. You know what I mean? So we have no talent on the board. We have nobody who knows what to do to make Celtic better than they are at the moment. And the whole place has just become riddled with nepotism. Yep, 100%. And trying to pick my words carefully here, but I was going to say, so every single person who's a Celtic fan, listen to this podcast, you know Celtic fans, tell them to go in your backyard and just dig Come on, someone's got to like find oil or something in their backyard. Let's just do it, get some money and get these guys out of the club. Start a GoFundMe, whatever. I don't know. Something's got to happen. But anyway. I just I just can't like Dermot Desmond, he, he he's the man. You look him and he looks the manager or potential managerial candidates in the eye and asks him the question, Are you the man to lead Celtic forward? Now he's gone on that He's gone out of his way to get Brendan Rodgers back, and fair play to him, he's brought Brendan Rodgers back. But what was he expecting? Like, I mean, Peter Lowell and Brendan Rodgers had a massive fallout the first time round. I mean, is is Brendan Rodgers back here because of Dermot Desmond, in spite of Peter Lowell? Is there? I just don't get the whole setup there. I mean, is is Peter Lowell now going out of his way? If Peter Lowell doesn't back um, Brendan in the transfer market, this this winter and next summer, then you just look at it and say, this is a spiteful man who's taking Brendan Rodgers back to try and embarrass him in some way or another. And it's just, the whole situation doesn't add up to me. Has has the board gone out to set up a, a way of progressing forward with Enzo Maresca and Dermot Desmond's just walked into the building with a fucking Brendan Rodgers-shaped square peg and battered it into a round hole and says, here you are, boys, deal with that. I'm off back to Ireland to play golf again. Like, it just the whole situation doesn't add up to me at the moment, and I'm just scratching my head when I think about it. The more I think about it, the more it just puzzles me. RL77 has a comment here Rogers and Lowell, oil and water. And then Lovett saying, I knew when the guy that used to run rugby stepped down as chairman after a month or so, something was not right. And Michael Ross, I'm going to give you the final word on this topic it's run as a business, not a football club. That's the best summary of the whole situation. The thing is, that I, you know, there's no reason why it can't be run as a business and a football club. 
you know, I, I don't have any problem with, with running a tight ship in a business sense, but the truth of the matter is we're, we're, we're pushing money down the toilet at a terrible rate of notes. You know, we spent £20 million in the last transfer window and no, none of the players we bought are worth any more than they were when we bought them. Their, their values have just plummeted. We've got Carol, uh, Gustav Lagerbielka there, who apparently we're going to sell. Right, what are you going to get for Gustav Lagerbielka? You'll be lucky to get half a million back for him, if that. And you might have to just let him go in a free and write off three and a half million. You know, and that's sort of typical of the shambles at the club at the moment. A guy who clearly isn't rated by the manager. He's clearly just not the right guy for that role. And yet we spent all that money on him, gave him all these wages. And now six months down the line, we're trying to shift him. Somebody should honestly get, get, get sacked for that. That's what I would love to know. What what happened there? Who recommended them? Who signed off on it? And you know, somebody should lose their job because that is just a chronic waste of money. Hundred mm-hmm. yeah, percent. So I'm going to use that as a nice little um, jumping off point into the one of the next topics I want to discuss. So there's been rumored there's rumors going around of the transfer cleanout that's about to happen at Celtic. So there was this article that was shared, and I can't remember who it was by. Um, I think it may have been. Who's the guy at the Sun Sport who's got um, who's in with the board? I don't know. Anyway, so what it's saying is Alexander was it, McGow- was it McGowan? McGowan, yeah, it's probably the one. I don't know if he's at the Sun. Stephen McGowan, he's a male. male he's at a Daily Mail, but I think it was him that that's first broke yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, so he was mm-hmm. saying that Alexander Bernabe is poised to make a January exit from Celtic. There's interest in him from clubs in his homeland and in Italy. Um, yeah, so there's that. Celtic are keen on Estoril's £4 million rated Tiago Araujo as they seek competition for Greg Taylor. Um, so I'm looking at this going, you bring in Araujo, you got another Tiago in the club. What's going on here? Uh, then you've got, Kobayashi looks like to exit, and he's being chased by several J-League uh, clubs. Nat Phillips is going to return to Liverpool. While there's doubts, as you were saying, about Lagerbelka. Um, the Swedish defender was dropped again. He could be allowed to move, leave on loan or on a permanent deal after six months at the club. Itaguchi's primed to return to Japan after landing the Player of the Year nomination in Fukuoka. So, yeah, it looks like he's on his way back there. And boss Brendan Rodgers is keen to sign a striker with Maeda, Kyogo Furuhashi and O set to compete at the Asian Cup. Because the Celts have watched both £8 million rated Bromby kid Matthias Fistgarden and Aberdeen's Bojan Mioski. So that's the talk about there. Realistically, we need to shed a whole bunch of players. But my question here... My thoughts on it is the same that Michael's saying. Who will buy our surplus players? What do you reckon, Willie? The, the, it's going to, the half those players is going to end up in the same situation we've had with like the likes of Ismail Sorrow and players like that. Well, we've just turned around and says, okay, we need you off the books. We just Nobody wants to buy it. Here's the remainder of your contract. Thanks for everything you've done. See you later. Like, and That's not good enough for a club of Celtic size. And you look at like Stevie says, we're probably going to make a loss on Lagerbielka. Like seventy-five percent of the players we signed in the summer, we're probably going to release at some point or another, and just say, right, thanks very much. See you later. On his goal, like you know, what I mean, Quan, we're never ever going to get any money back for Quan. None. I mean, Tiago Oden home, he needs to bulk up. So he's probably going. To, he, he's probably going to go out on loan and. There's so many – Mikey Johnson, I mean, Mikey Johnson is just not the answer. He's not good enough. He, he's just – we know he's not good enough, but he's just in that squad now because we have nobody else fit at the moment. And that's not where Celtic should be as a club, boy. Yeah, 100%. So I love it saying if those rumours are true about the players were told they could leave in January, why the hell are they planning as hearts? Is it because Loyal wants them in the shop window? Michael Ross was saying we could have got the Bromby striker for six million. Now they want eight million. Yeah, he's in some good form. At the end of the day, like you're spot on, Willie. I'm going to add a couple of names to it. 
Azazi Irrigiri and what was the other guy from that we got at the same time? Liam Shaw. Those Liam are the Shaw. sort of signings that a few of these guys in the sun in the yeah in the summer window were. They're guys coming in. You get them in cheap. You look to see if you can get something for them. They're going to end up in the same basket as Afalabi, Luke O'Connell, and O'Connor was when we signed him as well. The three Irish boys. We've done this so many times. It's the definition of insanity. You just keep doing the same thing and expect something different. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a doozy for me. Stephen, what do you think? Well, I mean, if you take the example of Gustav Lagerbjelka, and I, I'm sorry to keep banging on about him, but he, he seems to be the, the sort of prime example of what's going wrong at the club. Um, he's six months into a five-year contract. Now, if, you, if you're uh, Gustav Lagerbjelka, you're not going to walk away from that five-year contract unless you get that paid out in full, right? And, and that's not going to happen. So what you're looking at with him is, unless there's some some somebody else in Europe as daft as we are that are going to buy him and give him the same money we're giving him, it's going to be a succession of loan deals for him. He'll go out and loan, and he'll go out and loan again next year, and then the year after, and then eventually you'll forget he even plays for us anymore. Just like guys like Uragidi and Shaw, as you mentioned, and the same thing will need to happen with Kobayashi. He's another one that's probably got about three years left in his deal. It'll just be a succession of loan deals. And you never really truly get these guys off the book. And you just lose money hand over fist. So it just sort of underlines that the, the, the insanity of what we're doing at the moment. It, it just stockpiling all these players. And the sort of, you know, the crux of the issue as well is we're buying all these players with a view to developing them. Okay, I get that. But how do you develop them? If they're not playing, none of these guys are playing any minutes of football at any level. There's no reserve league. You know, there's no, we, we're not sending them out on loan to a, a feeder team or something like that. They're just sitting there doing nothing in training and getting worse, if we're being honest. So it's a strategy that's just fundamentally flawed until we've got the correct structure in place to develop players by giving them game time, either in a reserve league or at a feeder club in an equivalent league. Yep, 100%. What do you reckon, Willie? Anything to add? Well, with this, we know we've got, we've got 32 first-team players. Now, Brendan Rodgers himself says, I want a 20, I want a, a more intimate squad, I want about 22. So that, that's 10 players you're going to have to ask straight away. And if you want to keep the 22 balance and, and bring more players in, that's another three or four players you're going to have to ship out before you, you get any more in. So you're looking at 12 to 14 players need to leave in order for Brendan to get this three or four quality players he wants in to get that 22-man squad and the balance that he's looking for. So it's a massive clear-out that's needed. Like, and to be honest with you, I, I sent a list in our group chat and I think there was 10 names on it and... I, I wouldn't have any qualms about getting rid of the 10 of them. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, there's play, like, this guys are stealing a wage. You know what I mean? Quan is just, I uh, go back to him. He's just not, he's never going to cut it. Like, Young, he's shown moments where he, he looks like he could be good. And then, then he goes into a game and he gets a rough tackle and he just goes hiding. And it's just like, hang on a second here. You are playing for Glasgow Celtic. You need to be showing for that ball, rough challenge or not. You can't go into hiding in a game. Like, there is no room for hide and seek at this level. Like, you know what I mean? And to go back to Stevie's point, if we're going to pay Kvitskar, um, not Kvitskar, Lagerbielka, like, his five-year contract, that's four, say he's on average 18 grand a week, that's 4.7 million. There you go, there's 4.7 million. We don't need you in this squad. Sorry about that. We made a bit of a mistake there. That's a very, very expensive mistake to make. Right? Yep. So there was a story by uh, TRB, which is a um, buddy, one of the bloggers at TRB Football. And it was based on what Mark Geedy saying that there's seven players Celtic need to sell in the January transfer window. And if you got rid of that, banking about 100k a week you'd be able to save that off your wage bill so then there was another chat a bit further on about it so realistically if you went through and you added a bunch of the players like we've been talking about who are out of contract or are still on the wage right so if we went through it at nat phillips apparently we're picking up his whole 60k a week 
Then you've got Turnbull on 16, Seagrass is on 15, Lagerbelki's on 14 a week, McCarthy's 14 a week, Kobayashi and Bernard Bay and Mikey Johnson are all on 8K a week, Scott Bain's on 7.5, Bernardo's on 5.5, right? So if you got rid of all of them, that's 110,200 a week you'd be saving. Itagushi, there's about another 8, 8K a week there. So if we're taking... Sorry, so if you're taking the whole of Phillips 60K, you're looking at about 150, a little over 150,000 pound a week where you're shelling out in wages for players who aren't good enough. So that's some of those guys we're talking about on that list there as well. So if you had 150,000 a week sitting there and you went and got those four top players that that Rogers wants and you were to pay them um, Carter Vickers sort of wages, around a 30 to 40 thousand pound a week they're already paid for with the money that's already in the squad so yeah it's just i wasn't looking at that going it's a little bit ridiculous so i just wanted to chuck that on the record too all right we'll go to the random twitter takes everyone jump on in the comments let us know your random takes for celtic this season we're going to try and have a bit of a laugh to end the podcast right so the tweet that I put out was random takes post. We want to hear your most random takes about the current season so far for Celtic. So let us know in the comment section. The majority about the board. So it wasn't very random, I was half expecting it. So we've got remove the old folk on the board, sack Nicholson, the pet of Lawwell, kick the lower admin manager Mark Law out along with his daddy and don't listen to open goal that's run by the Lawwell family too. That's one person spray. Next next one was Brendan feels like he's been sold a lie when he rejoined regarding recruitment. He can't walk away, so he's making bizarre team selections and subs to turn up the heat so he will get fired. This way he'll get his exit payment and he can say it wasn't his choice to leave. What do you reckon on that one? Uh, sounds a bit, yeah, sounds a bit conspiracy theory to me. Um, I don't know about that. Um, my hot Twitter take of the week, though, was um, Neil Lennon telling us to not to worry, everything will be all right. He's in the showers <laughs> right now. I know that. Uh... Yep. Yeah, the next one here that Lowell signed a second division Korean player to hype up the club by saying saying to Rogers that Ange had already signed them. Surely he wouldn't have believed that. Mark Lowell always lets Dermot Desmond win at golf. There we go. Most of the signings in the summer were not first choice. They came to the they came to the fore after Peter Lowell either messed up negotiations on the first targets. Mark Lowell is carrying the can for his dad and he knows it. Another one was we picked up a big name manager on paper. We should have picked, we didn't pick the right manager. The manager should have been chosen who could have worked with the players at the club and developed further. Given the managers that managers have, giving that managers have a shelf life of max three years, we are wasting just one trying to change, change course. Another comment from Chris over in Perth was we are a team in flux. Teaming flux in a transition season. Andrew signs were made with a specific role and style in mind. Now we're struggling to adapt to Brendan's more cerebral methods. It'll get worse before it gets better, but at least Matt O'Reilly is showing himself to be class act. Yeah, I agree about O'Reilly, but I don't agree with, um, and I agree with what you're saying about the signings, but I don't really agree with, um, you know, it's going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Realistically, I'll look at it and go, we should be playing our players to their strengths. O'Reilly's better, but how many players have gone backwards and lost value? Okay, so Al has said here, will the club ever try and sign, tried and tested instead of filling the club with projects? What do you reckon, Stevie? Well, we've done it in the past. You know what I mean? You go back um, to the Martin O'Neill era when we've seen guys like Chris Sutton and John Hartz and Neil Lennon tried and trusted professionals. We did it again, signing guys like Odson Edward, although, you know, he was still young and he was a little bit of a development in him, but he was pretty much a, you know, he was a very highly rated young player. We, we did it with uh, Dembele. 
Um, we did it with Scott Sinclair. Uh, we did it with Kyogo, who came highly rated from from the from the J League. So the club has done it before, and the the annoying thing for me is the vast majority of the time it's been a success when we've done it. Um, there's always you know there's always outliers like uh, Barkas and Ajeti. Um, you, you're never going to get it right a hundred percent of the time. But most I'm of the time, when we spend big money. Yeah. Most of the time when you spend big money, we spend it on Carter Vickers, Jota, and guys like that. It's been a success and we've made made that money back. So again, it's just inexplicable to me that we that we won't do it and we, we insist on going down this road of just flooding the club with cheap players and the hope that we unearth a diamond. Yep, hundred percent. He's got to take here. Sevco getting all the help from the rest in bar now. We have a big fight on our hands. Um, RL77 was saying, tried and trusted in Ange's first transfer window. Yeah, um, there's some interesting stuff there. But I just thought it would be a bit different to get get random thoughts from people on the pod. So um, thanks for sending those through. Got people on the Twitter or the X and in the comments here. Uh, we'll go some final thoughts and we'll wrap the pod up because we'll just push through the hour mark. So... Willie, you got a final thought for us? Yeah, Greg Taylor is Lee Naylor in disguise. <laughs> Stevie? Actually, I, I remember one of the games I went to see Celtic against Hibs and it was like 70 minutes in, we were 3-1 up and there was a collective sigh and silence went around the park and Lee Naylor stepped up to take a throw in and one of the fans decided to shout, oh, Lee Naylor, you're fucking shite. At the same time, the whole stadium went silent. Lee Naylor just picked the ball up, turned around and looked the guy right in the eyes when the whole thing was so awkward. You're just sitting there going, oh, this is cringy, this. like Funny. Yep. Sorry. Well, my final thought, I touched on it earlier about the um, about Christmas and everything. I just wanted to wish everyone who listens to the pod, tunes in on YouTube and all that sort of stuff, just a great Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Be merry and let's pick up some six points for our next pod and then we'll you know be back for the um yeah to preview the derby. If that doesn't happen, I'm gonna be looking redder like than than Willie like this. Or I'll go the Hulk and lose my marbles. So um thanks everyone for tuning in. Appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Hail hail. Hail hail hail. Hail hail. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.